0: Carly Simon is being called every name you can imagine right now, and she's afraid of what that vitriol might mean.
1: I'm being threatened. My safety is being threatened. The safety of my staff is being threatened. I'm not generally a fearful person, but I do have, you know, I look around my surroundings significantly.
0: Dr. Simon. Is the superintendent of the public schools in northern Florida's Alachua County? She's been in the news this week for standing her ground against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And I think parents should be able the ones to make the decision. And if parents choose the the um, you know the mask uh, of of some of these young children, you know that may not be the decision I make. But you know what? I I trust them to know their circumstances better than government. The Republican is threatening to withhold state funding from her district and to defund her salary if students and staff are required to wear masks in the classroom. Dr. Simon wrote about what's at stake in a Washington Post op-ed. I'm James Holman, and this is Please Go On. Seven states have now banned schools from requiring masks, even though the CDC recommends that all students and staff wear masks while in the classroom. Experts say masks are one of the most effective mitigation strategies we've got to slow the spread of the Delta variant, especially for the 50 million children younger than age 12 who are not yet eligible for vaccination. Most of Florida's districts have given in to the governor's pressure campaign. Only a handful resisted as students returned to classrooms this week, including our guest today. Dr. Simon says the district is merely acknowledging reality. Alachua County has had more COVID cases reported in the past two weeks than in the previous five months combined. Two of her employees died from COVID-related complications just last week. I spoke with her on a school day that saw more of her employees quarantining because of exposure to people who have tested positive. That meant they couldn't come into work. Only 52% of the population in her county is fully vaccinated. For Dr. Simon, this is personal. Here is our conversation.
1: I became the superintendent just this past December. And so prior to the beginning of the pandemic I was a parent in the community and of course you know it was frightening the whole experience and very surreal and you know navigating staying at home and educating your children and helping them as well as you know managing your own anxiety I mean that was a huge component and then over the summer I Spent a considerable amount of time as a parent still advocating for how the district was going to approach the new year in December when I came in as a superintendent, you know it was scary at that point we didn't have the vaccine we there was a lot of just trying to keep people as safe as possible and manage the situation. We were very hopeful when the vaccine uh, started to roll out that you know we were able to get people vaccinated our staff. Um, we were able to get retired staff vaccinated at vaccine clinics that we were collaborating with the university and the Department of Health. In March, we were really thinking that we were past this and we were we we're starting to come out of the dark and we were starting to be able to think about what life would be with COVID more behind us and moving forward. And I mean, I was incredibly optimistic and Pretty much it was about the July 4th weekend that we started to see things weren't doing what we were hoping and we were actually going into this other place. And And where we are now, I mean, we had our students on campus yesterday and, and we're starting to see things coming out. We're getting positive cases. Many of these positive cases are people who have been vaccinated And these people are experiencing symptoms. I mean, they are ill. And one of the struggles I'm right now currently experiencing is, you know, just trying to have access to the most current and accurate positive rate and quarantine rate of my staff and my students just to understand what the scale and scope of this is and how we're going to run the rest of the day, the next day. I mean, we're very much in the now as we speak.
0: There are so many studies now that show how problematic virtual learning was during the pandemic for already disadvantaged communities, especially those without easy access to Wi-Fi. It's clear from your op-ed that your priority is to have students learning in classrooms. And you see masking as a key way to make that happen
1: absolutely i mean we we know based on just what we're seeing in the state data from our state assessments that we had last year that covid had an impact and so the goal is to make sure that we can have face to face instruction and i w- i feel very much today that the concern about the contagion of this delta variant far exceeds what we were dealing with in January. I'm I'm much more concerned about keeping staff and students healthy. Yeah. Because it seems to be more contagious than we dealt with last year and we know it's impacting our students considerably more than it did all of last year.
0: That concern about keeping students and staff healthy has put you at the center of this conflict with Florida's governor that's drawing national attention. Your school board voted unanimously last week at the end of a very long meeting to require masks for all the students. You did this in direct defiance of a July 30th executive order from the governor that asserted the state would have the authority to withhold funds from the district if you did so. Can you take us inside the board's deliberations?
1: So, I mean, because our board has been in this experience with you know, how people feel about masks, anti-mask, pro-mask. It's nothing was, you know, a surprise. We, we've all been really wrestling with the decision. And and I think the thing that probably is extra complicated is that there was a time period when we were very optimistic that we were going to be able to have masks optional. And then the virus changed and it behaved different. and And we had to come to terms with, it's, it's not doing what we had anticipated. And so that means we're going to have to change how we're going to approach this. And so at that board meeting, we sat and we listened to experts in our community from the University of Florida, from the Department of Health, from our other um, North Florida Regional Hospital, where we had these experts who are they're at the, the front lines. They're talking about their experiences, the challenges that we're running into, the amount of pediatric patients that they have. And in my perspective, no one could sit and listen to these discussion points and the actual events that are occurring in our hospitals and want to dismiss what is being shared, specifically when we have a school system that has a little more than 28,000 students. So I would say in that board meeting, I really was not surprised Mm. that it became a unanimous vote. Um, And I think my board was very prudent by saying, you know, we don't want to do this forever. So let's let's put a window. We'll do two weeks and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk again. And it works well because we have you know, our board member meetings are roughly every two weeks. So it would make sense regardless that we come together and we discuss what's happening at that time Mm -hmm. and make decisions to move forward. So that's where we are. Our next board meeting will be Tuesday uh, night, this coming Tuesday, and we're going to hear more data and information, and the board will have the chance to look at it as well. My understanding from the data that I'm getting now, which is um, pretty often from my discussions with um, the Department of Health and the hospitals, it's not improving. In fact, it's, it's very concerning, and so I... I wouldn't be surprised if we found ourselves in a similar situation.
0: You write in your op-ed, we don't have the luxury of ignoring the current crisis to score political points. What do you think is motivating Governor DeSantis? Do you think he's more focused on politics than science?
1: I mean, I really can't assume that I know where he is, um, where his motivation is from. I I do think that, you know, there are times that we want we want something that we can't quite have and I'm wondering if that is where it is and I think all of us would like us to be in a place where we are not in this crisis but there's also a level where we have to you know accept what is occurring and and we have to just work through that and so um his motivations I do think that perhaps he's focusing on something else. It, I do feel strongly that he's not being as careful and conscientious as I would like to protect our children and our teachers and staff so we can do the job of educating kids. We know that needs to happen. And and at some point, sometimes we have to do the right thing because That's what a leader is. And sometimes we have to stop. We may be heading in a direction, but sometimes we have to pivot, and it's time for him to pivot.
0: You and the board knew when you made this decision that masking has gotten caught up in the national culture wars. But the backlash has just been so ugly. You have two particularly chilling sentences in your piece. You write, I've been called a monster, child abuser, communist, fascist idiot, and other names not fit to print. I've been threatened with legal action, protests, militia enforcement, in quotes, and worse. It's frightening for an educator to face this.
1: Well, well, it is frightening. I mean, I'm, I don't generally, most people generally don't call me names, especially the names that I have been called. People are speaking from a place of what I think is fear, and I think when people are in fearful places, they do things that are erratic and irrational and perhaps not how they would generally approach problems. The situation is, though, is that we have to function in a rational and thoughtful way. I mean, I am the leader of a government entity, and and there needs to be a a level of order and, you know, responsibility. And so when we do have situations where, you know, I'm being threatened, my safety is being threatened, the safety of my staff is being threatened. I mean, we're, we're in a place that this isn't functional and it's, um, it's jeopardizing a lot of the efforts that we need to have occur and, you And it is concerning and I, it's uncomfortable to say, you know, that gently I'm, I'm not generally a fearful person, but I do have, you know, I look around my surroundings significantly. I see a person and I am assessing who they are, what we might be interacting with. Um, i I'm looking at safety measures that generally isn't something I would do in my normal life.
0: If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is cover-up season four, The Anthrax Threat, available now. It really is just unconscionable that you have to worry about being in physical danger. And it bears noting here that the nastiness is coming from a minority of the population. There was a Kaiser Family Foundation poll published on Wednesday that showed 63% of all parents of children who attend school nationally think their child's school should require unvaccinated students and staff to wear masks at school. Obviously, no one enjoys having to wear a mask at school or at work or anywhere else. But what has the response been locally to your decision?
1: I think parents are positive. I I think definitely the majority of parents are wanting this if I were to, you know, Look at my inbox as a a way of testing the temperature of um, how people feel about things, especially now that it's, you know, at the national level, I'm getting quite a lot of feedback from people who are supportive of the efforts. I mean, I even have had flowers delivered um, thanking me for what we're doing. You know, people are concerned. I think people who thought that this virus was not going to get them and they were somehow untouchable are starting to realize that, in fact, they are human and it is a virus and they can be susceptible to it. So I think there's a there's a level of awakening that's occurring right now in the community where, you know, people are now knowing more and more people who are testing positive. And so I expect it to to expand I also know that there's some people. I mean, I've heard discussions where there's people in the hospitals who are, you know, gravely ill and they still aren't acknowledging that they're sick with COVID. So,
0: your district's policy includes a medical exception. So, students aren't required to wear a mask if they have a doctor's note. Also, the state of Florida is offering a voucher called a Hope Scholarship to families who want to enroll their child in a private or public school that does not require masks. As you put it in your op-ed, this gives families the ability to opt out of masking while still allowing you to provide as safe an environment as possible. Are you seeing any takers for these scholarships? Do you expect any uptake
1: from that? So we're uh, we are in a position right now where we're still, you know, we receive the information from the school district, but. The most current information we have right now from our schools is that five individuals have uh, taken the HOPE scholarship voucher option and they're going to utilize it. I anticipate we'll receive more information from our schools once they get all of this information collected and distributed to us. I do have as well... um, I have 25 individuals who've submitted the medical Mm opt-out, and one of the concerns I'm looking at right now is that out of the 25, I have one pediatrician who has signed 13 of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is something that I intend to just, you know, collect this information, and I will be sharing it with the medical board, and I will let them determine how they feel about that.
0: This week, Governor DeSantis continued to threaten to withhold your salary for defying his order, banning the classroom mask mandates. But the Biden administration is now examining whether it can direct unused stimulus funds to support you and other educators in Florida so that you don't get personally penalized. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki had this to say at her briefing on Tuesday.
1: I do want to call out... um the, uh, the courage and the uh, boldness of a number of leaders in Florida, including people who are stepping up uh, to do the right thing to protect students and keep schools safe and open.
0: Has this federal response been heartening?
1: Well, of course. The fact that they're paying attention to what is going on and they would like to support us where they can, I mean, that is comforting um, no matter what. We need to be able to provide the constitutionally mandated, high quality public education. And we need to do it in a safe and thoughtful way. And, and that's what we're doing. And so I do appreciate the fact that there are um, outside of the state components that are making sure that they're keeping an eye on us and they're willing to support us if we need it.
0: You just now mentioned the state constitution, and for those who don't know Florida, the Florida constitution says the state has a paramount duty to provide safe and high-quality public schools, and as you write in the op-ed, it's one of the highest constitutional standards for public education in the nation. I guess that has certainly helped validate what you're trying to do. Are you having conversations with other superintendents in Florida? Do you feel like you have support from other school districts as well?
1: I think that there are other school districts and superintendents that are very much interested in working together, especially because we're all impacted by um, his DeSantis's decisions and and I know that there is a lot of discussion about you know his authority, whether he has you know legal grounds to do what he's doing, and I know that there are um, there's components where people are really looking into what can we do about this now? And so we are very much interested in having these conversations. And so that's, there's a lot to all of this.
0: I gather you've not spoken with Governor DeSantis about this, but my last question is, if you could, what message would you want to convey?
1: Well, my message to Governor DeSantis would be that his goal appears to be that he wants students in school face to face. And that is my goal. And in order for me to do this, I need to have as many protections in place to actually function. And this is running an organization. This is logistics. This is more than an ideology or you know, a want. This is, we need to do something and that means we have to adapt to the environment that we currently are living in. And in order to do that, in order for me to be able to do this, I need to have as many protections available to me to do this work.
0: Well, Dr. Simon, thank you for taking the time uh, and uh, best of luck as the the school year gets underway.
1: Thank you. I appreciate this.
0: Nationally, child hospitalizations have reached an all-time pandemic high. The latest data shows that 75,718 Americans are hospitalized with COVID. Of those, more than 15,000 are in Florida. The ICUs there are perilously close to capacity. This week, the federal government deployed 200 ventilators and 100 other breathing devices from the national stockpile to help Florida respond to its surging number of hospitalizations. Governor DeSantis says he was unaware of his state's request for those federal ventilators. This episode of Please Go On was produced by Julie Deppenbrock, with editing from Allison Michaels, Renita Jablonski, and Michael Larrabee, Our theme music is by Ted Muldoon. You can listen and follow us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to read Dr. Simon's op-ed, you can find the link in our show notes. I'm James Homan, and I'll be back next Friday with another edition, because there's always more to say.